Production. Recorded live. For the record, I'm Brother Priest. Today is uh, November 29, 2017. Um, Brother Robert, did you have any musical heroes growing up? Um, musical heroes. Hmm. Let's see. And I guess I would say it's probably, I think I liked um, when I was younger. I know LL Cool J was one of them. Um, I, I used to like Cool Mo D. No, I'm just supposed to say. Let me see. Yeah, I remember those two specifically. Those and oh, uh, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was probably you would probably like my um, musical heroes coming up. You said Cool Mo D, Michael Jackson, and who else? Uh, and uh, LL Cool J. LL Cool J. Okay. Mm. Did you ever desire to be an entertainer? Um, like as far as the entertainer being a, a, a like a rapper or or you talking about rapper and actor or something like that? Yeah. Um, at one point I did kind of desire to be uh, an actor at one time. Okay. Um, what motivated you to do that? What was the, the main thing that motivated you to do that, to want to do that? Um, maybe it's probably because, like you know, when I was uh, when I was a little bit younger, or whatever the case may be. Well, you know what? Also, part of the entertainer. Also, I wanted to uh, be a comedian too because I like to uh, you know make people laugh. You know, when I was, you know, younger in school and stuff like that, I used to, I was like the class clown. Like when <laughs> the teacher used to go to class, I used to, you know, just do like little silly stuff to the classmates and stuff like that and make them laugh and things like that. So I kind of kind of felt like I had like a little bit of talent with that. You know what I'm saying? As far as the comedian aspect. And I just knew that I had like a, you know, it was really good in terms of making people laugh. And uh, the acting was just coming with it, you know, because, you know, it was just, that that was just coming along with it as far as the acting. But it was more so of like uh, being a comedian. Yeah. So did you ever like put... Um... Did you ever like practice? Put any time to, to try to really make a serious push to do that stuff? Um, not really as much because um I had played uh sports, um sports that took more of my time, so I kind of put more of my time into um to the sports like pre- uh, preferably basketball, and um it was just more so cracking jokes and all that type of stuff was more secondary to the sports. 
so I never put a full effort into like uh, the comedian aspect, but I guess more so like, you know, after the sports didn't really work out. I kind of thought about it and um, um, I, I, I kind of reached out to a few agencies to try to see if I can be able to, um, you know, somebody could be able to uh, give me an audition or some type of thing like that. But uh, I never pursued it as hard after the sports situation. So you you had a strong desire to play professional basketball? Yeah, professional basketball and baseball, but more so I I realized that basketball was I was doing a little bit um better at the time that I was also really good at baseball, but basketball was where I was you know, I was realizing that. You know, I made all you know, all star and all county and stuff like that. So, and then colleges checking me out. They offered me scholarships and things like that. So, um, I kind of look toward more so strongly toward that. Hmm. Okay. So, all right. So, hold it up. Uh, who else is on the line? Is that Ramya? Brother Ramya. So I see Shadrick and EK. Um, maybe I know Ramya is supposed to be sick, so we'll see. Um, Shadrick, who are your musical heroes? Like, have, did you have any childhood musical heroes? Uh, Michael Jackson was uh, one person that I grew up on a lot. Uh, we played him in our house a lot. We played MC Hammer. <laughs> we played MC Hammer a lot in the house too. Um, I just can remember. Oh, Ice tea, don't laugh at me. Uh, vanilla ice. I'm just. I was a kid. I was a kid. I'm not saying he's the greatest rapper uh, alive now. I'm just saying that when I was a kid, uh, we used to have because we didn't really have cable. We used to watch a lot of VCR, and with the channel that we did have, I think there was like uh, some like music station that used to come on, some music channel that used to come on, or some music show that used to come on. And I know that his face used to be on there a lot. Michael Jackson, uh, Madonna, him, uh, who else was big? Um, Jeffrey Osborne, People Bryson, um, Tina Turner and so on and so forth, but my favorite was Michael Jackson and MC Hammer. I, I guess I was just, you know, we were kind of caught up in the Hammer pants and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, and Michael Jackson, the Moonwalk, him with that and all his songs, man. 
Michael Jackson was just it. He he was it. He could dance. He could move, walk. You know, I ain't want the S curls or nothing like that, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So did you have? Did you ever have any desire to be a singer or rapper? Uh, singer. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, most of the time I would, like, sing to myself most of the time. Um, but that's not something I really considered. I never considered it. Like, now I listen to a lot of, um, I listen to a lot of Chris Brown. Um, sometimes I listen to, um, uh, Kendrick Lamar or, um, Bob or D.O.B., uh, Marion, uh, Seven Streeter, Brandy, uh, Tyrese, Tank. Those are like my favorite artists, literally my favorite artists, and I listen to them all the time. But as far as me singing, I, I never considered it. It wasn't something I really too much thought about, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Okay. E.K., uh, your, did you have childhood musical heroes? Shalom. Yeah, uh, it kind of evolved over time. So when I was a kid, I grew up on uh, Criss Cross, Naughty by Nature. And then uh, obviously Michael Jackson was one of the big ones. And then when I got to, like, middle school, it was 50 Cent, Kanye West, then Jada Kiss, Jay-Z, Nas. Um, then after that, it just sort of just kind of, I just stuck with, like, Jada Kiss, Styles P, Nas, Jay Electronica. Um, yeah, that was about it. And then Michael Jackson, yeah. And that was pretty much about it as far as, like, musical influences. A little bit of L.O. Kuja here and there. That was about it. So did you have a desire to pursue a sports career professionally? Yeah, I was more so into basketball, but really my first love was football. But my mom didn't want me playing football because of what she'd be hearing on the news about concussions and stuff when I was a kid. So I just pursued basketball, and um, I was kind of, like, doing both. Like, I was pretty good at school, and so I sort of just kind of took school more serious. But I was pretty good in basketball. My sophomore year in high school, I was really going to start taking it really, really serious. But then my family and I, we had traveled you know, to Nigeria or whatever, and then I came back, it was Murray Shiro, I couldn't, it wasn't to that, so, but I played AAU here and there, traveled here and there, and I was still pretty playing at a pretty high level, but it just wasn't the same as before, you know, I left, you know, so I don't know, I think it was just a blessing in disguise almost, so I just took school more serious, and then just kind of went that route. What about music? Music, uh, I like to, I've been beatboxing <laughs> since, uh, 
since I was a child. So like, you know, I thought about like, you know, how how would my if I beatbox, how would it sound like if I recorded it? So I thought about that here and there before, but I just really just do that as like a hobby. But I never really thought about taking it serious though. Okay. Um. I'm asking this for a reason because there's something that we need to know about what we face. And I think it's easy to it's easier to relate when you uh have wanted to be in sports or in entertainment. So I'll give you an example of my life. What I do now, I I never dreamed of at all. I mean, I can't say that. When I was 18, I, I did actually have a physical dream and um, I was producing music and I've been a musician and and writing songs for like I guess since I was like 12. So when I was 18 years old, I will never forget this. No, I'm sorry. I was 17. Um, I was about to be 18. That's what it was. I had that dream. And I woke up and I made this song called Lead the Nation. This is a true story. I never in my wildest dream would have ever believed that I would be actually an administrator of a nation. And in the dream, um, I saw 12 tribes, the 12 tribes, but I didn't really know about the 12 tribes then. And I was really into music. I was, I was, uh, I still love music with everything I am. And actually, the reason why I started this law path was because I wanted to free myself up from daily grind and just produce music, spiritual music, um, funky music, dance music, whatever. So, although it was later in my life, I mean, I would have been, how old was I, like 38 at that time, 37, I'm sorry, yeah, 37, when I started really actively studying this law. And um, it was still in my mind, get free and, you know, do your, do music and just praise the Lord, that kind of thing. All spiritual music. But I was thinking, like, I I can still do any type of modern music. It's just that the messages and the lyrics weren't going to be trash. 
That's what was in my mind at 37 years old. I wasn't really thinking about making a career out of it, but um, I was, I still wanted to do it. So, look, prior to that in my life, since I was, hmm, I want to say 13 years old. So from 13 years old to 30 years old, my whole existence was music. Everything I wanted to do, everything I wanted to be was a musician, a producer. I had a record deal when I was 25 years old. I was on tour and touring with famous people. And um, so I just saw my future as just progressing and, and becoming wealthy from being in the music industry. So I can I can say this firsthand what I'm going to trying to share here. A lot of people get into entertainment maybe not sports, but definitely entertainment. A lot of brothers get into the entertainment business just to get women. Seriously. Just to get women, just to be famous, and just to have, be rich. Not so much for the love of the art form. I'm sure some of us do that in sports, but I don't really think it's as many as it is in the entertainment business. And this is really important that we see what I'm trying to express here. So bear with me because I'm trying to see how I can um, explain this. A lot of our people are motivated by greed and lust for riches, fame, and fornication. And as I was coming up, too many people, I, I kept hearing the same stories. So when I got around, when I got 30 years old, um, I had already been in the music business. My uh, record deal had ended and it wasn't renewed. Um and during that time, I didn't even get a chance to put out any music or a project of my own. And here I am around Eminem, Slum Village, D12, Dwele, Platinum Pied Pipers. I'm around these guys, and all of us are musical. We're all artists. And um, we're all spiritual at the same time, except for for Eminem. I, I don't know if he was or not, but I do know 
um, he wasn't allowed in our camps because he was Caucasian. But um, so I don't know if he was spiritual or not, but I do know that the rest of us were. So everything that I knew and everything that I was was 100% dedicated to music. And I wanted that to be my career. I wanted that to be the thing that I was going to do uh, for the rest of my life. And so when I was growing up, I would meet musicians, famous people, people not famous, all types of people. And I kept hearing this lust for money, this lust for fame, this lust for sex. And I specifically remember um, that I had a guy, a young guy, he was around 19 years old, and I had opened up my recording studio when I was around, I think I was 30. And um, he was about 19 years old. And I was talking to him about my career. I guess it was after I was 30, but I was talking to him about my career in the music industry and I said, when I would go out there, I wasn't messing around with you know, a bunch of groupies, or I didn't even, I didn't have groupies, but, um, you know, because I wasn't, like, famous and known, but um, just being out there in the environment, you are exposed to that, so um, you do have the opportunity to get with groupies. But I was telling him I wasn't interested in that anyway. And I would never forget he said this to me. He said, well, I want to get famous, and I'm going to sleep with every single groupie I can. And that was a common theme. Okay. So it's it's hard for people to relate to what I'm trying to get out here, which is, particularly for rappers and musicians, producers, singers, you really develop a God complex. And you really start to view yourself as the supreme being. Really. And I kept seeing this. Now I didn't, I didn't go that far with it myself, but I kept seeing this time and time again. How the the best artists or the most horrible artists all thought that they were superior to everybody else, and all thought that everybody else should bow down to them and worship what they do. Literally. Literally. Shalom. Yes, sir. I was going to say, but do you not see how that, excuse me, do you not see how that, gosh, do you not see how that environment creates the, 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 Oh, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Or let me say it this way. Do you not see how the atmosphere uh, creates a platform for such uh, 
set your mentality because you're around people who want, uh, who are dealing with you because you are quote unquote famous, and you have so many people doing so many things for you. You have an agent, you have uh, maybe a publisher, um, you have your quote unquote fans. So when someone who's not used to uh, having a position of authority starts to take all of that in, I'm not saying that they should turn out that way. I'm saying that the environment pushes them into that type of uh, into that type of mentality, especially when they're not of uh, when they're not aware of egoism and when they're not aware of how to conduct themselves in terms of business and uh, I guess you can say. Um, and and they're not aware of what a uh, god com uh, god god complexity uh, complexity is. So I kind of see that the atmosphere kind of caters to that type of platform for them to do certain things like that. You don't agree, brother? I agree one hundred percent. And I was there. I lived it. I saw it. And yeah, brother, you you're correct. And I was lucky and I was blessed because my teacher was in the music industry and he kind of like, but he was also, he was also a master martial artist. So he, uh, and you know, of course he was spiritually grounded, but he, he kind of like molded me and shaped me and all the elders that, that I was under, they did that for all the, all the brothers that were there. Um, some of the, some of the original elders I was under was in a different camp. And those guys were over um, Slum Village and Dwele those guys, and I broke off from them and got with the elders that I was under. But here's the thing. We all had this basic same charge, which was, you know, don't let your ego get to you. Uh, You got a spiritual mission. When you get there, focus on that. Okay, now, this thing develops a God conscious, a God complex, excuse me, to the point where you really, it's very easy to lust or worship. It's very easy to want to be worshiped. And a lot of the motivation of being uh, creative in this world, in, in particularly the United States, is based on really ego and worship. It's it's Lucifer. It's a it's Lucifer consciousness. Really. Now, 
in saying that, if you can see, well, Brother Robert, do you see what I'm trying, what I'm saying here, how that works for artists? Yeah, you know what? And I mean, like, the artists, like, uh, eventually, you know, comedians, actors, all of that type of stuff. Cause it wasn't until, like, later on that I wound up learning about uh, how, you know, even when you're in acting, you have to take on a whole other identity and you have to tap into another character, another individual, another entity outside of yourself. So you have to tap into some type of, you have to be uh, a different form of energy in order to captivate and capture that type of, uh, you know, character on the screen to be believable for the audiences to be able to, uh, you know, um, relate to that character. So you have to really be into that character. With the artist situation, you know, you know, it's 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 a situation to where you got people around you who are telling you, Oh man, you you're nice, you got some skills, you got bars, you got this, you got that so you start feeling yourself and you're feeling you know, you're feeling like um yeah, man, yeah, I got this, whatever, boom, boom, boom. So now you're getting situations where you got the women coming at you. You got, you know, uh, money in the bank. You know, you got every pretty much almost what you perceive at that time, everything coming at you. So you're, you, it's to the point to where everything served to you quick and fast. So it's easy where somebody could, uh, you know, look at those type of situations and, you know, really, really bow down to those energies. Oh, yeah, I, I agree, brother. Yeah, in, in sports, it's slightly different because, uh, you know, a lot of the brothers are motivated just by they want to be good players. They do want to be successful and make it a career, but they already know that they're going to have all the sex they want, <laughs> you know. Um, so they do have a lot of, to focus on my on their their craft, but I had a cut. Well, one of my two of my cousins. I had one cousin who um, was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, and this was in the like the late eighties. And he got into some some legal trouble, and then ended up going to prison. And then I had another cousin who um, was all set just trying his damnedest to get to the NBA. But it didn't work out for him. And um but my but both of them well I was closer to the one he was playing trying to play in the NBA. And he told me that when he he became a top athlete that he had different women every night. And I'm talking about in, in high school and college when they were recruiting him for college uh, basketball, um, every campus that he went to a trip to, he had sex with various girls at each campus, girls he didn't even know um, and would never see again. And that was part of what they were doing to bait these athletes to come to their schools. All right. Now, when you are around this, there are some people 
who don't achieve it. They don't become famous. Um, they don't get all the groupies. They don't. They don't get the money. But they're so um, in love with the idea of what all of those things are, or in lust with the idea that, and when they don't achieve it, they can't mentally accept it. So when they realize they got to support themselves and change careers, that's where you see a lot of them go into religion. Now, I'm trying to paint this picture so you see it. They got the same ego, but now they're in religion. And they want the same things that they wanted. So that's why you got these a lot of these uh, guys that are child molesters and sleeping with their congregations and all of that. Now there are some of the people that are sincere that didn't come up like that, and they're like uh, they just hey they found out some truth and they want to pursue it. Cool, I get it. But then they're being taught by people to puff up their ego, and they're being taught like they're better than everybody else and to treat everybody else like they're better than them. So they start they start to secretly lust to be worshipped. Whether it's Ali Muhammad, Tajariq Bey, um General Yohanna, I'm not suggesting that they do, but I'm saying it could be. I mean I think I see it in Ali Muhammad. I think I see it a little bit in General Yohanna. Um, I respect both of them, but I think I see a little bit of it. Um, not so much in General Yohanna, more so in Ali Muhammad. But it's all the same. So just imagine if you had this God complex, then it's going to be difficult for you to deal with people that don't worship you. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be real difficult for you to just be humble enough to just be a brother, a sister, whatever. So here's what I'm saying. We are right at the verge of really surfacing from this nation. It's like any day now, um, I, I, I've been working so diligently that any day now, this thing can really um, surface to where we can have um, the security that we need financially and otherwise. And you have to watch yourself and your ego. You have to really, really watch it. Because it's, because it is very dangerous, and it will blind you. And we're lucky. Most of us, well, all of us here on this line right now, we've either had some type of struggle or something in our life that we are challenged with that keeps us grounded. 
Ramya was sleeping in his truck not too long ago. BK was having struggles in his home. Shedrick living day to day. Challenges come up. Robert saying, it's like we have our daily challenges and our life challenges. Some of them are just really deep in us and are personal, but we have to be prepared for this. But if you look at how this thing is set up in America, like, look, there are so many people that are into the Kardashians, Kanye West, 50 Cent, that type of crowd, that, that these people that are famous are actually worshipped as gods. And they eventually realize that. They realize it. You have, if you if you remember Michael Jackson, everybody had a thriller jacket or a beaded jacket. And I'm sure probably EK, you probably can't remember that in Ramya because probably I don't even think y'all on the earth then. But everybody had it. So how these people used to dress, the common people follow these famous artists and musicians, right? Well, today, back then, it was just out of admiration. Today, it's out of mimicking their lifestyle. So these people that are famous, the commoners are trying to mimic the lifestyles of these famous people and they got these delusions in their mind, particularly artists that ain't famous, that ain't even really that talented. They try to act like they're famous, like they're they're already famous or Drake. They they try to act like Drake, or they try to act like Fifty Cent, and, and treat women that way, and and expect you to treat them that way, like they're famous and somebody special. Well, let's see, Ek, have you experienced that with anybody? You mean as far as uh, like me witnessing that among people? Yes, among artists that are oh, not. Oh, among that, artists. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, in Boston, it is definitely like that in Boston. Like, there's a lot of up and coming artists. Um, some of them obviously well-known, but there's, like, this persona that some of them kind of carry. And I knew some of them growing up. Like, I I knew some of them growing up, and it's like, when you know somebody's beginnings, where they come from, and then when they kind of grow up a little bit and then they get a little bit of recognition here and there, you start to really see that ego at work. And it's like, until... You know, you really at the level of like uh, Michael Jackson that really has the whole world really at your feet. It's like, you know, you kind of kind of be humble. Not saying that's the that's what you should, what people should be aspiring for, but I've definitely seen like there's a certain way they kind of carry themselves. But it's like you're not all of that. You know, like you, you're not all of that. Like if the fans don't come to your shows, you, you 
wouldn't really have anything going for you. So I really do see it sometimes. Yeah, do you see it, Shedrick? Um, this conversation kind of reminds me of a video that surfaced years ago. With an up-and-coming rapper. I can't even remember the guy's name. It starts with like an R or something like that. And he was in like a hotel room. Him and like I don't know how many other uh, guys were with him. He wasn't even, like he wasn't a Drake or a Kanye or anybody. He wasn't even a young thug. He was just somebody whose name was out there at the time. I think this happened in, like, 2013, 2014. You had, like, maybe two chicks that was in the room. I actually seen another video just like it, but let me just get to the point. You slapped this young lady in front of, like, no, you not only slapped her, you fought this young lady in front of all of these men. Call all the bees and the whores and all kinds of different things. And when I noticed that on the video, they had his rap name on there. And I was thinking, like, wow. I mean, you've seen 50 Cent, Jay-Z, hell, you've seen Drake. I've never seen either one of those guys do it. Not that they probably don't do it. I've never seen them disrespect women like that. And they have plenty of money, and I've never seen them lift their hand to women like that. I mean, he beat this woman like she was, like he was fighting a dude. But the interesting thing about it was he got real pumped up once all of the other guys were, you know, amping him up and stuff like that, and it really just went to his head. And I was thinking to myself, like, wow, would you have done the same thing if you wasn't a rapper? Hmm. You know, it's almost like they developed some type of courage. Because it's the name. You know, it's it's really interesting. I saw it, I just couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, that's one um, of some incidents I've seen. Uh, you. What are your thoughts, Robert, Brother Robert? You know, it's really, really funny because I'm just thinking about um, something that I was just talking to, you know, one of uh, our sisters. And she works at the, at, at the job and everything, and she's very open with her personal, you know, her personal lifestyle, which, you know, I'm just a little, you know, like, wondering, like, how she's so open with it. But um, she has this particular boyfriend that she deals with, and it's crazy. In his mind, in his mind, he believes that he's a king. Like, and a lot of it, you know, it's, you know, I did, because she basically pointed out to us who this person is. He has an Instagram. And you check out his Instagram. And you check out, you scroll down and everything like that. And you look down and then, boom, you see an artist like Pimp C, who a lot of these, a lot of these young bucks, they try to emulate Pimp C in terms of like, uh, you know, what Pimp C was doing with the Gorilla Pimp. And so they developed this, like, king comp. I mean, this this guy, he really, the sister told me that he really believes he's a king. So I told the sister, I said, I see a king without any, like, you know, I went into it a little bit, and I told her about it. I kind of showed her, like, 
the definition of like, you know, what would make the makings of a real true king. So she got understand and say, yeah, this brother's really on the whole situation of being a king, a king, a king. But how he, how's he a king when he's dealing with that? And then it's funny because he has this complex where he, everything is based on materialism. Like he'll poke uh, jokes at any individual that she wants to try to deal with, you know, after the dude. And he's like, oh, man, look at that guy. He ain't wearing no Balenciagas. He ain't wearing no Concepties. Look at him. Look at his shoes. His shoes are like this. And I mean, it is, it's crazy. But I can definitely see where a lot of these, um, especially like Pimp C or Drake. I I know some people who like are inspired by a lot of these cats and, you know, a lot of their uh, ways. But the funny thing is, it's like, you all know in this line that a lot of these dudes ain't really about that. They just portray it. They're funded by these corporations and all this other type of stuff. But, uh, yeah, you definitely can see. Well, matter of fact, there's another new one out here now. Um, I don't know if you brothers heard of him. His name is Bunk Gang. And this is a oh, young man. He's just a straight-up nigger, man. And <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if you, Brother Priest, have you heard of this guy, Bunk Gang? No. That guy's disturbing, man. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's freaking disturbing. Go ahead, brother. I didn't cut you off. Nah, he's good, brother. No, it's for. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he started off on Instagram where we, what he just, you know, what he was doing was he would record himself being in like, like he'll go to a store or something like that, and you know he'll conduct, he'll conduct commerce with somebody or whatever the case may be, but instead of him paying it. He kind of like he runs off without paying or whatever it is. Like for instance, like he'll get a haircut and he'll get the haircut done, get everything he needed to get done, whatever the case may be. And then he has his camera, he's holding on him on in front of him, and he's he like he just takes off and he just takes off without having to pay for it. But now the interesting thing about it is that a lot of they have this thing called like every single one of these celebrities. They once they do certain things, they have something called like the Bow Wow Challenge, the Soldier Boy Challenge. So now this guy has a, something called a Bunking Challenge, and it got to the point to where DJ Khaled did a Bunking Challenge, where he was in a sneaker store. He had bought a couple of pairs of sneakers. Uh, he put them on, tied them on, or whatever like that. Picks up the box, throws it at the dude, and starts running off. So now you got a famous rapper committing some niggardom. So it just disgusts me, man. I had to just point that out to somebody I was dealing with, man, about what's about to start popping off. And this guy is just real. He, he gets caught up. He had uh, he goes into like you know, uh, Popeyes, and he like he says he's testing the camera, like, okay, when you go to Popeyes. You should never uh, have to pay for anything. You just go and take it. And you see him going over the counter, taking the chicken, you know, filling his whole little tray, whatever the case may be. Come back over the counter and say, yeah, you don't pay for anything like that. So I sit back and I'm like, damn, now, I know we're going to have a whole bunch of these kids that's going to do the same exact thing. And sure enough, like a month later, I started seeing his boom game channel. I said, man, I told you this was going to happen. 
So, yeah, man, I can see it, man, where social media is more stronger than ever, man, in terms of influencing the youth and has a strong, profound effect on people emulating these characters. And I yield, brother. Are you saying Bull, B-U-L-L, King? Oh, no, uh, B-O-O-N-K. B-O-O-N-K. Yeah, Bunk Gang. He was just arrested some time ago, uh, maybe like a couple of months ago. Yep. Yeah, he was just arrested some time ago. That guy, yeah. uh, he, I think... Uh, I think he's also starting to take on the pers- uh, quote-unquote character, the Joker. Um, now, you remember Heath Ledger did uh, the Joker, I think, in the Black Knight or something like that. Um, no, not the Black Knight. He did the Batman movie, uh, but it wasn't the Black Knight. But, however, he's kind of like emulating Heath Ledger's persona in the Joker. That's hmm. the type of persona that he's now starting to take on. Like, he doesn't even look the same. But that guy creeps me the hell out. The, but there was a video that surfaced not too long ago. I'll make this quick. The video that surfaced not too long ago, he went to try to get a haircut, and he locked the door on his behind. So you ain't getting out of here. <laughs> he locked his door on his butt. He said, oh, y'all locking the door on me? They said, yep. He said, oh, I was going to pay this. I was like, oh, we know you're going to pay. <laughs> we know you're going to pay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That yeah, brother, crazy, man. You got to check it out, man. I mean, it's just it's disgusting, man. You look at it, man. But you got these young kids that's emulating this now. Like, it's just crazy. Then you got these, you know, on YouTube, you got these now little YouTube celebrities that they got created, YouTube stars, and they're doing it. Now, mind you, they're getting, like, about 200,000, 300,000 views. So you can imagine the impact and the influence they have. Yeah. yeah. Horrible. Uh, not to, and just to make this known, his fans are even worse. He, uh, there was a video of him getting arrested. Uh-huh. And um, the whoever that was there with him the day that he was getting arrested, because it was on the news somehow, but the, the that day that he got arrested, there were people in the video who was like, why are you arresting him? Why are you arresting him? He ain't even do nothing. I'm like, hell, if he didn't do anything, his prior actions pretty much served up that arrest because this dude was going in stores stealing iPhones and stuff. You was going in stores stealing shoes, haircuts. You was walking up on people on camera taking their phone. You was recording yourself doing this. You was recording yourself going in Popeyes, going across the counter and getting food. You also recorded yourself in one restaurant. You stripped down to your uh, boxers, and you sliding back and forth, packing a plum fool. Yo, I never seen nothing like this dude. And like he was on some some what they call flocker. It was demonic. He was just freaking retarded. So yeah, his uh uh actions pretty much won and then you go to the comment section, you can't you better not talk about boot game. Oh F you you just a hater. Oh, you just don't want to see nobody come up. I'm like, I'm surprised you flattered by something like this. 
hell, I can walk out my door and see something stupid like that every day. I don't need to watch him do stupid stuff like that, but they, but people enjoy stupid stuff like that. And it just goes to show you the state of our, the state of the minds of black people right now. It is I, I, I got you one better. And I'm, I'm going to say this, brother, before you go on, brother priest. Uh, I've seen a comment that said, and I kid you not, that says, my Lord and Savior, Bunkang. Oh, Lord. Yeah. What? Yeah, I was like comment sections. I, I one of the I, I don't know if it's that the Instagram one, but if you scroll down, I kid you not, I saw an article and comment that says, "My Lord and Savior, Bunking." Holy smokes! Holy smokes! Yeah. Hey, brother Freak. Yes, sir. I want you to know that I was on call, sir. Yeah, I can see that you were there, but I know you're sick, brother, so you take care of yourself. I'm a little all right. I'm a little better now about getting there. That's good. That's good. Um, I'm saying... The same thing that happens in, in in music and entertainment is the same thing that happens in religion. That is what has happened historically. I got to go pick up Knucklehead's stepson, so that's why I'm getting in the automobile. But the same thing. So the, here's the other um, point I want to make about this. they began to invent a persona. They visualize in their mind, we all do this, but we visualize in our minds what we, something that we would like to be, become, or do, and how we would like to see ourselves and how we would like others to see us. But the problem is, Invented, invented characteristics that you begin to believe are you. So then you have to live up to your persona, whether it's good or bad now. You have to live up to your persona and what you've projected people to believe about you. Let's say people believe you're goody two-shoes, right? You you just Mr. Perfect, whatever. So then you have to live up to that, and you become a prisoner of your own invention. You become a prisoner, such as with Tupac such as with Rick James. Um, those are the, the two that stand out the most to me. Um, they really invented personas that they couldn't live up to. Tupac did everything he could 
to try to prove he was a, a gangster. So he tried to live that. And he he just, nothing in him was raised that way. He was raised to be a revolutionary, but he created a gangster persona that he tried to live up to. Okay, now just think about this historically. And it's not music. Well, actually, it is music-related. Because... As far back as you can go, you're going to find that there's always artists and musicians tied into major positions in religion or thing or idolatry, like Asar Set Heru. Asar, a.k.a. Osiris was a musician. Now, you go through the Greek mythology. There are artists and musicians there. The term music comes from muse, from the, the, the Greeks, because they always had these godlike figures in uh, the artist, David and Solomon were musicians, but obviously they did something different to keep themselves from being worshipped. But um, Yeshua was a poet, and my point is historically. The same lust that was in the mind of Lucifer is in the mind of artists and religiousists that are in these religions and doing these things. So what they do, they invent personas and all types of stuff. Like, what is this group, the Migos? The Migos have uh, their own language now. Did you all know that? <coughs> Did anybody know that? I didn't know they had their own language, but I knew they do. They talk real funny. They're from Atlanta. Yeah, they call it mumble rap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Okay, so, but they're inventing words and stuff like that, and nobody, well, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I don't, maybe y'all do, but I sure as hell don't know what they're talking about. I don't know um, what they're talking about. So, uh, my point is, this is what's happening in the conscious movement. This is what's happening, the same thing that's been happening for thousands of years. At some point, you start to, you get challenged with your ego. When you see that you have a leadership 
if you're not properly prepared, you can give in to the dark side. And that's what I'm here to warn us about. That's why it's important that you uh, you don't want to make yourself. It's like with with fame, with uh, success, riches, wealth. That breeds power naturally. Women are gonna come around. They're gonna throw themselves at you. You gotta know how to deal with. You'll have power and influence. You gotta know how to deal with. But if you maintain that you're just a brother, you may be special. Great. But you don't have to think of yourself and treat people as though they're beneath you. So that's my point. And I'm seeing it spread in the conscious community. I'm seeing it I've been seeing it spread in the um with the Hebrew Israelites for years. Because they started making up stories. Like now the guy um, is the comforter. He's been the comforter since the year 2000 because he was trying to basically fulfill a prophecy that one of the other Hebrews said was going to happen in the year 2000 and they were all looking for Jesus to return. So this guy calls himself the comforter, the Holy Spirit in the flesh, i.e. Jesus. So the prophecy was fulfilled. Yes, Jesus did return. I'm the one. I'm the comforter. He ain't saying he's Jesus, but that's what it means. And the same thing happens. Brother Robert, what are your thoughts? I get what you mean, brother. Definitely, like the same energy and the same, you know, dark path that's within yourself. Like, you know, uh, the same desires that you want to try to uh, reach uh, when you're trying to utilize one of these avenues to fulfill the things of the ego. Uh, when those things are not realized and when those things aren't, you know, materializing, manifesting you look at another avenue to which you can exploit to kind of substitute for that which uh, you weren't able to initially do. So you wind up over and it's on in terms of religion to where you can gain that same type of influence, that same type of power, and be able to, you know, pretty much have people bowing down to you, worshiping you, and pretty much uh, you begin to start also believing so much of yourself that you begin to create like your own particular religion. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'll have some people sit back and say, well, you know, we'll create this type of caricature and then they'll be like, okay, yeah. Um, what a, you know, like they'll create, like for instance, I'll give you an example. Like, there's a, um, you know, Tariq uh, Nasheed, for instance. Tariq Nasheed, <laughs> You know, and what he 
does and everything like that. He tries to inspire the brothers in terms of how to, you know, utilize. You know, it depends on you know, on what you take from the brother and everything like that. But he's created a, you know, it's a balance there. But he'll create, he creates a situation where, okay, now I'll go on Twitter and have my own Tariqisms, which it, it, it weighs out both ways because in one way it's pretty good because, you know, he's using it for positivity, but at the same coin, he's using it as for, as a form of, like, uh, almost as a person looking at that and a person who doesn't have anything within themselves can look at that and kind of, you know, almost adopt that type of same perpetual, I mean, uh, spiritual transmitted disease. So I can definitely see what you mean, brother. Yeah, man. It's very, very dangerous. It's been going on for centuries. And if you have half a brain, I'm telling you, the same thing that, look, listen what happens to Yeshua. He goes to the mountain. Nobody's there but him. He's chilling, and we just bow down. I'll give you the world. You know, okay, well, that's what's happening to us. We get that challenge, and then it's because at some point you start to realize the type of influence or power that you have, or perceived power anyway, and what you can do with it and make mischief with it. That is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's my point. And they ate of it. They ate of it. Shalom. Yes, sir. So basically, that explains why... When the Most High told Adam and Eve, obviously, don't eat of that fruit. But when the serpent said, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, eat it, you'd be like gods. So it's almost like how we're discussing right now, like some of these artists and entertainers and stuff like that. It's that same concept again. Like they see this path, this vision to like, quote unquote, fame and and all this prestige that comes with their skill set that they were able to accumulate and develop over the years, and that fruit of knowledge and good and evil of saying basically like, okay, you have this skill set. You're very blessed to have this skill set to influence the world. What are you going to do with it? So when they eat of that, that's when that whole God complex starts to come in and gives them this thing where like now like they start to see both. They know the good side of what they're supposed to do right, but the appeal of doing the wrong thing because of the the false appearance of what is bad becoming good is a result of that knowledge of good and evil where the truth and the lies, the, 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 the lies become, the, the falsehood becomes the truth and the lies mixed together, which allows that confusion for them to think that they're bigger than, they, than they're not, than they are, really are. So I feel like that's sort of what's, like you mentioned, like how historically that's always happened where, 
like that knowledge of good and evil, that fruit, when from the very beginning, that commandment basically saying, like, don't do that. Because if you see what I see, you're going to be held more accountable for your actions now, now that you know both sides. So you have to choose accordingly. And I think that's where um, it's really happening to our people and, and, and particularly the, you know, the entertainment industry with a lot of different individuals. So I yield. Brother Cedric, what are your thoughts? I was, um, I'd have to uh, agree with Brother uh, E.K. and his approach to it. I was sitting here thinking about how how so many people, okay, let's take, for instance, some of these artists who come from absolutely nothing. And they're so eager to get rich, get famous, get girls, and they don't even, you know, they don't read contracts, obviously, but nonetheless, they that's not the concern with them. Their concern is just getting rich. And then I spoke about earlier how uh, people like that tend to allow the atmosphere to turn them into something that they're not. But it's a false, it's a false, uh, false representation of God because the people who uh, who are behind the scenes are the ones who are pulling his strings. He don't move unless they move because if they decide that they don't want to move, he ain't moving either. So he has just much he has just much say as they allow him to have because at the snap of a finger and you know at the movement of the pen, they can always find somebody else to replace that person who assumed that hey you know. Uh, I can be this rapper, and I'm in charge, and you're going to listen to me, and da 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 and don't talk to me because I'm a rapper, and my name is this, and I'm a household name. No. That's not how it's going to work. But at the end of the day, you know, people like that take, you know, they buy their fruit because at the end of the day, they're curious. It's a, well, what if I was famous? So then you didn't got bit, but you done you know bit that fruit, and it's just kind of like I can't go back because if I go back, then I won't be, I won't, I'll be just another nobody. At least that's how they think. But you're a nobody now. You're just a nobody with money <laughs> because if they take the money from you, you still go be a nobody, <laughs> you know. Oh, um, but. Yeah, man, it's it's fascinating how we, uh, uh, as men and women, we uh, we don't sit down and we we don't tend to think about the rudiments of the world. Like we don't think about the rudiments of the in uh, the industry um, because we get so caught up in seeing what it produces. But not every fruit yields good, you know. Not every tree yields good fruit. So it looks tempting, but it's not necessarily good for you. It's a rotten fruit. You have a lot of rotten fruits in, in the industry. I think just some more than others, but nonetheless, I mean, you know. Yes, sir. So I'm pointing this out because... 
the whole religion. That is the root of it. The tree of the good and evil. Brother Robert, do you see how this works in all walks of life? Yes, sir. Uh, give me an example of what you see. Mm. Well, um, just based upon, uh, you know, you have a, a particular choice to which you can take the high road or you can go ahead and take uh, the lower path. Um, let me see. An example of what I could say is like, uh, let me use an example. Just off my trying to think of one real quick. Um, like people who, I mean, let me see. Like, I mean, pretty much a lot of what we talk about today is pretty much it. Like, you know, uh, utilizing, you know, your, uh, that uh, your particular stance and your positioning, but using using it for more so with the intention of being able to manipulate, as opposed to um, utilizing it for what its intended purpose was for, which was the gift that you have in the first place. Uh, an example could be some of these pastors, like these pastors on these. Uh, we call it those Christian churches, what is it, TBS, I believe it is, where instead of them utilizing it to try to really legitimately bring people to the most high, using it to get write-offs or deductions of benefits and using it and knowing that you're going to get these particular perks and using it to get the people, but you're really pimping the people as opposed to trying to really help them. So you're tapping it more into um, the, that particular street as opposed to what its intended purpose is for. Yes, sir. No matter what you experience in life, no matter what position you hold, you will be challenged with this. It's just like in Star Wars, the dark side of the force or the force of the dark side of the force, that is real. But if you see that you could join some religious cult and get all the money that you could ever want and all the sex you could ever want, and that attracts you, and you start to pursue that, then you see what tree they just ate from. And my point is, that's what's going on on this earth in politics and religion and entertainment particularly in North America. That is a challenge that that is that is a challenge that comes with being alive. 
Shalom, but I want to share a quick story. Um, this happened actually several months ago. There was this guy who used to work uh, at the Job, and he he doesn't work anymore, but I saw him some time ago, and he uh, expressed to me that he left because he got hooked on drugs. But here's what happened. So when he first got in, he started off in one position and he trained in like two others. So then he ended up getting a raise after a raise after a raise. And the way he explained it to me is that once he got those raises, he figured he didn't really have too much to do with his time. And he explained that, you know, he did used to do drugs, but then he got off. He was always off and on. But then once he ended up getting working at our at the job at work at, he ended up getting back on drugs. And he told himself that he could kick the habit. But what ended up happening is that he got so messed up to like he just said that he he just decided he just wasn't gonna work anymore. He had moved from out of his place and he had just got uh, over near the mall, he was on my side of town, which is like right, uh, like 15 minutes, no, 30 minutes away from my uh, my job. And he was on my side of town. I stay on the west side. He stays all the way on the east side of town near the mall, which is on the, like, almost near the south side. But nonetheless, he said that, you know, he thought he could have kicked the habit. And next thing you know, he he said he just got full-fledged on it, and then there was no going back. And then, you know, it was just so interesting that we're having this conversation, and I kept thinking to myself, well, what would have happened if he had never just told himself, yeah, I can do it just one time, and I'll be good. But you quit your job, you let go of your apartment, now you're on the street, and now you're getting ready to go to rehab. Yes, sir. Wow, he went fast. It, it just went downhill. He said he was so embarrassed. He said, "Bro, do you know where I live? I live all the way on the uh, near the near the mall. I don't even live over here." He said, "It's these drugs." He said, "And I want to go get help." Die, your brother. So he's not getting help. You know what's the interesting thing is. After that time, and as a matter of fact, I saw him today when I was in the bank. I saw him today, but I didn't, he didn't see me, but I saw him. He was walking by. I want to say, I want to say, yeah, because the very last time I talked to him, he said that he was going to get help. He was on his way to go get help. And the funny thing is you couldn't even tell that he was on drugs, which is the the interesting thing about it. You couldn't even tell he was on drugs. But he said he was on drugs. He was on his way to go get help. So I take his word for it until, you know, he say otherwise, which, I mean, at this particular point, I haven't really talked to him because we're not, like, friends or anything. He just was someone we used to work with, you know. Yeah, so it's funny you saying that because I see all of that connected with drug abuse, alcoholism. Like, um, 
I I used to uh, read. I, I was taught all of these different so-called scriptures from all of these different so-called religions, and um, that was part of my training to understand all of it. So, you know, you got the Bhagavad Gita for Hindus and the Upanishads for for Hindus. You got the I Ching for in Buddhism. You got the sayings of Confucius for Confucianism, right? Now, what what happened was I, I remember this particularly in Hinduism. All of these gods. Now listen to this. This is in this is in Hindu. Well, let me rephrase it better. Eastern over Western Hinduism under the guides of Hare Krishna, the Hare Krishna movement. Okay, so that's not real Hinduism, but it's supposed to be modeled after Hinduism. So look, one of the members of the Hare Krishna movement happens to be one of my best friends. Now, I haven't talked to him in several years, but he was he was one of my best friends. And when we were hanging out and stuff, it was never a problem or issue because we never discussed that kind of stuff like that. Even now, like my friends, I don't discuss this kind of stuff with them because they ain't interested. And I ain't interested in talking to them about it. But anyway, so one my friend told me, he was like, man, I, I used to read... I read in um, the Bhagavad Gita how all the gods and goddesses, they were all partying and having sex with each other. Now, I'm knowing that he's just talking about people. No different than a rapper, an actor, or whatever. But in his mind, he's talking about actual gods. Do you see what I'm saying? Like... He doesn't see he he doesn't see it as just everyday people. He sees it as superior beings with with miraculous powers. Okay, whereas when he said this, sir, I apologize. I'm about to uh, sign out, um, brother Cedric. I'm not going to be on call tonight. I just uh, got called at my little nephew. Had a seizure, so. Okay, brother. All right, brother. You take care. Prayers are with you. Sure. Well, so he sees it as gods. No different than people over here see this Jesus character a supreme being that has powers that, you know, and so they can do it. They can do it, but you can't do it. And there's a whole different type of level of comprehension to really gather this. But I'm knowing that these are just famous people that realize that they're in positions of power 2,000 years ago and the influence that they have and how they're a different classification so they can do different things. Like rappers and famous people can do different things that common people can't. 
Anyway, my point is this whole God complex thing. The God complex itself is biting into the knowledge of good and evil. And anybody that has that complex has bitten into it, has eaten of that tree. And 10 out of 10 times, they don't know it. Doesn't matter if they're a conscious guy, a conscious movement guy, a Hebrew, a Christian, a Moor, a Muslim, whatever. Five percenter, whatever. They can't handle the idea of a title. The real meaning of God, is, or, or the, the lowercase g, is a master teacher, but they've turned it into a deity. <laughs> Five percenters, well, what's up, God? Peace, God. To the point where they begin to believe it, that they're deities. You can think you're a king, a prophet, a messenger. Whether you are or not is beside the point, because you could be those very things. But you could believe that to the point where it is replaced with a deity. So you can get when you get into a position of perceived power, I'm the foreman at the at the plant, and now all of a sudden you're God. You're a deity. The whole earth, everybody that walks this planet is challenged with eating of either tree. You can eat of the tree of life, but don't eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Trick is, do you actually have the knowledge of good and evil before you eat of it? The answer is yes. It is written in your heart. Basic knowledge of what's good and what's not good. Now, it might not have formulated in you all the way fully yet to where it's a part of your everyday behavior. And then if you're raised improperly, of course, that's going to put you far and far more astray. So then it becomes easier to bite into that tree that is forbidden. That's the point. It's a constant, everyday challenge. So as you have seen brothers walk this path with us, particularly Robert and Shedrick, you have seen the brothers walk this path with us. One thing you haven't seen is you don't see me changing my character to how I treat people, and I stay consistently on this path. And you all know some of them have turned against me for no reason, have turned against the nation for no reason except for they have, they, they were faking the funk. They were trying to walk this path, and they were not right. They were not so sincere and dedicated to truth and righteousness because you're going to have your challenges. 
But it's like, man, come on, man. Like, really? Like, I have literally done nothing to these people but try to be good to them, and they hate me for it. I have li- This goes on in my life every single day. So you got to look at the supreme destruction of the minds of our people when you can't even be good to a nigga. You can't even love a nigga and him actually appreciated and accepted and reciprocated. That doesn't mean you stop trying to do it. That does mean that you got to, you know, place it, be more uh, wise about where you place it. And it sure as hell has shown me that. Because I've had some backstabbing going on since this this nation has been erected. What are your thoughts, Brother Robert? And you know what's what's another thing I was thinking about when you just uh, said that, and then you had mentioned the politics. Um, it's really interesting because I, you know, I was re- looking at a book, and um, I was just reading up on a book that was dealing with uh, the political uh, political science somewhat, but it's like political philosophy, political ideology, and things of that capacity, and it's really interesting to where like your stances in terms of like, you know, within this system, you have your conservative conservatives and then you have your liberals. Um, and your choice in what position that you have can really determine the fate of, it can lead to destruction. You know what I'm saying? Like if you, like, with the example that, you know, you're placing with the tree of good and evil, tree of knowledge and things of that capacity, I mean, yes, it's a higher level. We, we really don't want to, you know, delve into this as this system because we understand what the system is all about. I mean, you know, certain aspects you can look at the system as being, you know, just perfect, but it's just all about the individual utilizing it and taking advantage of it or whatever the case may be. But, a lot of time, your political ideology can determine the fate of not only yourself, but it can determine the fate of an entire nation, entire group of people, a body of people. And it's really, really interesting when you look at this because it goes into deeper levels. Uh, you know, it, it goes really, really deep. You can take it in so many different levels, just these two uh, trees here, you know, um, it's, it's really, really profound that and we got to really understand the importance of, you know, everything that you brought forth to us today and trying to, uh, you know, let us know into our consciousness how important um, your selection of which tree you're going to utilize and how you're going to go ahead and do it in your everyday walk, you know, because, um, man, like, you know, we're given the power we're gifted the power through the creator to be creators on the planet. But what is our creation going to be? What is going to manifest? Is it going to manifest our destruction um, collectively, or is it going to manifest, you know, something being productive, which is going to be for the uplifting? As you can see with the, you know, with the, uh, with the, with the ecology and 
you know, um, the earth, you know, they've, like, extracted the resources to the point to where, like, there's very few places where you can really, you know, get the actual resources to be able to get the raw materials to kind of sort of, like, uh, build a productive society. They've taken it and used it for, um, you know, malice instead of using it for what it can be properly used for, which is what we were gifted by the creator. And definitely got to understand that, you know, everything that we have here on this planet, we're just trustees. You know, nothing here is never our hours. Everything is just gifted, you know. And, like, it was funny because I just looked up, I was looking up a banking term, and the banking term uh, is covenant. And a covenant is a loan, you know what I'm saying, gifted where you have to perform certain obligations and duties. So everything that we're given by the creator, man, is just a loan. And it's all contingent upon you satisfying certain obligations and duties and responsibilities. Man. So you utilizing the tree of life and good and evil is very, very important in your everyday walk. And I yield, brother. Man, that was beautiful to put, brother. So, look. If you have the knowledge of what we used to call back in the day ego strokes, some other people I know came up with this term ego snacks. And you feed somebody's ego and you feed their, feed them these ego snacks. They're eating of that tree. That forbidden fruit. They're, they they bit into it. They're eating that forbidden fruit. Now look, you take a perfectly innocent girl who's been brought up to believe, you know, whatever she does about her sex life to keep it pure and all that. There's some nickel slick nigga comes up and says, you know what? The reason why they're telling you don't smoke weed because they don't want you to really understand the the um, health uh, properties in it. They don't want you to feel good. You sitting around here broke, miserable, depressed, unhappy. You sexually repressed, and you've been told you've been told that that's right. But in reality, they're just trying to control you. Now, what I just said, just imagine repeatedly saying that to somebody. And then one day, and they and they start thinking about it over and over and over and over and over. And one day they bite into it and they start to slightly believe it. Well, I don't know if I believe this that you were saying, but I see what you're saying about this other part. So, yeah, you know, I am kind of depressed. I am sexually repressed. I'm walking around miserable. Yeah, it's no, it's no, it's not wrong with uh, uh, weed. Smoking weed is natural. It's a natural plant. God made this plant. So there's nothing wrong with getting high. 
Well, it's nowhere have I ever seen that you're supposed to smoke it. Uh, that's something that man we decide to do. Eat it is one thing. Smoking it is I don't I ain't never heard that that's right. But my point is, imagine feeding this to somebody. Oh, it's okay if you you know why why would you you have you ever had a boyfriend in your life? You ever had you ever like made out with him? Yeah, and okay. Hold on one second. Smoke a lot. Okay. So you you ever made out with him? Yeah. Did he ever take you out to dinner? Did he ever take you to movies and spend money on you? Yeah. So what's wrong with that? You know that what he's expecting is he going to have sex. So why don't you just cut to the chase and just tell him up front, just give me this, this, this amount of money, and then we can go to the movies and do whatever and have sex. But see, what I'm saying is, a party comes to you and tries to make what seems so wicked to you at one time, tries to make it sound good to you and tries to reason with you. They will go so far as to use all types of scientific evidence. It doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. I'm saying this is the same game. The pimp game is the serpent in the garden. The drug dealers, same serpent in the garden. They try to seduce and induce you into loosening your morals. Oh, just try it once. It ain't going to hurt you to try it once. You don't want to have no fun. Just try it once. If you see what I'm saying, EK, do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. That's the name of this game. And when you're alone and somebody else came to try to feed you this forbidden fruit, your mind starts to try to rationalize it. Then let let you be weak at a particular weak moment. Let's say you really need some money. And a, a woman or a man, you really need some money. For the woman it is, come sell your body. For the man it is, come sell these drugs. I know you broke, man. Don't you get tired of being broke? I mean, damn, man, you can't keep living like this. You know, you're going to get thrown out of your house if you don't come move this, this weight. Just go ahead and just slang this. It ain't gonna hurt nobody, man. The people that are using this cocaine and this crack, they already they already strung out. What is it gonna hurt you? If anything, it's gonna it's gonna be helping them for you to sell crack to them. You see how I'm making that sound good? <laughs> I'm I'm rationalizing this. If anything, it's gonna help. You're gonna be helping these crackheads. Because as long as they don't have the crack, they're liable to do anything. But once they start smoking it, they chill, they chill out. So you ain't hurting them; you helping them. Now I know that that's a, I consciously know that's not true, but I'm using an example of how 
persuasion of a serpent mind works, which is why I do not normally talk about these things. Because what I know is sitting amongst you all the time, there's always a serpent mind in your life's garden. It might not be you or it might be you, but there's always a relative, a co-worker, or somebody in your world with that kind of mind. So I was taught that this is ancient. This is why some things can only be passed from word-of-mouth education. We got great things written in Scripture. But you don't hear people talking about something in this depth about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they don't know it. So they'll go anywhere with it. But as you hear me speak on it, then it starts to become, you start to understand how it's relative to you in life. This was because it's ancient. This is before me. This has got nothing to do with Brother Priest. This was passed down to me. I have guarded it and continue to guard it. You must guard it. You must comprehend it. You must utilize it in your life. Guard it with all you got. Watch your own ego. The advantages that that we all have or, or you all have are really good because you didn't set out on a life of trying to actively do everything you could to become an artist or become a a, a, a sports figure or whatever. But don't forget that we are all capable of falling to this. We are all capable. Well, that's one of the things that keeps me going every day to remind myself that, you know, you've come a long way, Brother Priest, but you ain't no better than anybody else. You could get challenged with something that could overwhelm you. You might be get into circumstances that you don't you don't know how you may react. For the most part, I think I know, but, you know, I don't, you never know. Now, my history, my habits, I've been able to clean up a lot, and I've been more on the positive side for as long as I can remember. So certain things are not even challenges to me anymore. Certain things are not even challenges to you, and that's where you grow. You get further and further away from some of that wickedness even tempting you. You're not, I'm not tempted to go and pimp women. I'm not tempted to go and sell drugs. It's not even an afterthought in my mind. That's how we grow. But you just remember, there's always some wicked serpent mind that wants to challenge you and take you off of your square. So all praises to the Most High. Thank you, brothers. One last thing I want to say. Um, I'm working on this hidden truth um, about Jesus.com. 
Um, I'm pretty much like 75% done. I was hoping I can get done tomorrow, but before tomorrow's um, fellowship, but it's uh, just too much. I'm still trying to rebuild all the sites that got broken from the thing, but um, this hidden truth about Jesus.com is going to be a, a money maker for us. And I'm really close to finishing it and getting it launched. So I don't even want to put a time frame, but I'm trying to get it done within the next week. I should have had it done today, but I got this call from a brother that is in trouble with the law. Four federal indictments, and I had to spend, I had to take away from time and tend to the brother. And I was not going to leave him out there hanging like that. Even though he has got his own foolishness and folly, I do not want to see a brother be locked up in prison. He got nine children, man. But anyway, thank you all for being here. And uh, we'll be back again next week. Shalom, y'all. Shalom. Shalom, everyone.